You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. So we're being a little bit tricky ourselves this morning. I am not Reverend Matt Rawl, if you're following the bulletin. You know, a little more hair, just a few, you know. And so grateful and blessed to be here with you this morning. Y'all can just be so blessed by our senior pastor who is the most flexible person in this room, who I was doing the sermon, I wasn't doing the sermon, now I'm doing the sermon. And he just let me make those decisions. And so we had planned this long ago. And and then as uh, some of you know, life just shifted a little bit in this last week, but here I am. And so grateful to be here with you this morning and celebrate this day, this very special day, All Saints Sunday. And so join me, uh, if you will, as we read the scripture for today, Ephesians 1, 11 through 23. Uh, It is, uh, will be on the screen. It certainly is in your Bibles. And so join with me as I read it with you. You can read along with me. Ephesians 1, 11 through 23. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live from the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked by the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. And then Paul went on to write this beautiful prayer, beginning in verse 15. He said, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the workings of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ages to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills us all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Well, not too long ago, um, my family participated in a neighborhood garage sale. Now, hang with me. You may think, what in the world does a garage sale have to do with today? But I, I think you'll see the connection as we talk. We had shifted households, me and my son. I sold a house, bought a house. He sold a house, bought a house. And so we had a lot of treasures in our house that uh, had been determined to go to the driveway so that somebody else could enjoy them as treasures of their own. There was a neighborhood garage sale planned in October, and we were all aiming to empty our garages onto the carport and have someone else take our treasures home. And so... As that day was coming about, I had, there were many things, and one thing in particular that I kept putting in the box and then taking out of the box. I kept putting it in the box and taking it out of the box. 
um, among this, uh, this item happened to be, and some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. You may have one yourself. It's a ceramic chicken cookie jar. That's right. Everybody knows about the grandma's ceramic chicken cookie jar. And so this had belonged to my mother-in-law and, and her husband and my father-in-law, and they had it had resided in their home really for a really long time. And then on their passing, it came to my home, and I had it in my home for a really long time. And then as we shifted and moved, my son and I both had a actual conversation about whether it wanted to live in his house or mine. And we both agreed that, that even though we were, there was just a slight, well, I don't know, you know, we've had it for a long time. We both agreed that it could go to the driveway and, and go to someone else's home. And she could live sweetly in somebody else's pantry or on their shelf or on their counter in their kitchen. Well, a couple on that day came walking up the driveway and, uh, and they looked like, you know, seasoned garage sailors. And they were just scanning the, the, the merchandise quickly, and you could see that they were just kind of hitting the top and were just kind of walking on. And it was a neighborhood garage sale, so they had a lot of places to go. And so I watched as I was standing across the driveway as this woman picked up that sweet little ceramic chicken cookie jar and just picked it up and looked at her husband and said, oh, honey, I have to have this. Well, I was just thrilled. So I, I just crossed the driveway and struck up a conversation with her. And I said, so, like are you a ceramic chicken cookie jar collector? <laughs> you know, uh, you know what, what, what is it? And she said, oh, and I, you know, I don't even remember what exactly she said to me about, about it, but I remember her just saying, but I just love it. I just love her, and I'm so, so glad to be able to take her. Well, it was a fun conversation, and I was, I, I, you know, this kind woman and I just really connected that day. I, I told her the story about the chicken and about the, its travels, and where it had been and where it was, and now we're, we're so glad to know that it's going, she's going home with someone that, that really just loves her as much as we did. And I quietly, seriously, thanked God as we walked away, ending the story of our chicken cookie jar so sweetly for us, especially that we knew where she would go. Now, now the interesting, interesting end of the conversation that we had was, is that she said, well, I, we don't live here. We live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're going to be taking her home. Well, I got a tiny lump in my throat when I looked at her and I said, well, so interesting, that's where the ceramic chicken cookie jar was born. My, my in-laws bought her there and brought her from there to Shreveport, Louisiana, and now he, she's here and now she's going back. So we're so grateful to know that, that she's going go to go back to her home where she used to live and where she was born. And so, you know, sometimes I would say we just have to understand the story of a person's life or the story behind the thing, it makes it more endearing, it's more meaningful, it's encouraging sometimes to understand the common thread of our life that binds us together, even in our diversity. That is what makes life meaningful and gives it dimension. And so All Saints Day, you know, just a little history lesson. Did you know that All Saints Day is called, actually, All Hallows' Eve? That's what it was originally called, or Halloween. And, you know, there was, as time passed, and it's been called, it's been a Christian tradition since about the fourth century. And, and as time has passed, um, uh, November 1st became the day that was designated as All Saints Day. And Pope John Paul II declared it that day, and he said this about All Saints Day. He said, it invites us to turn our gaze to the immense multitude of those who have already reached their blessed homeland, pointing us to a road that leads to that destination as well. You know, my mom, uh, we celebrated my mother's life 
on November the 1st, All Saints Day. I couldn't imagine a better day to celebrate her life. She was a saint. She she raised me and, and four other very uh, children, and that's just all we'll say about that. But she did, and she did it well. And she is a saint. And, you know, it, 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 was, it just was a super cool day to be able to do that for her on that day. So, well, in the New Testament, a saint, you know, it's most commonly used for the title of Christians as they began because it literally meant holy ones. And it was used to refer to Jesus' followers because they were considered consecrated to God by the atonement of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So saints are both, they're young and old, they're, they're living and they're departed, and they're all, um, they're all who have responded affirmatively to the call of God in their life. The observance of all saints affords us an opportunity for the reminder, as well as an occasion to speak the names of those who we have known as saints among us. Now, in uh, this passage of scripture today, uh, scripture that, you know, just like the story of the chicken, now just being passed from one generation to the other. It speaks of an inheritance, but not necessarily regarding a gift from one person who is living to one person who has passed, or, well, the other way around. <laughs> but rather, the central theme here, I believe, is unity. Unity in God and through Christ, the broad inheritance to which those who are in Christ are entitled. An inherited resurrection is among the gifts but the grand nature of this narrative suggests that it's just one of the riches Christ can impart to those who believe. The Ephesians text here, Paul talking, is speaking of a gathering of saints and invites our probing into just a lot of, it, we could go in many directions with these particular scriptures, but I'd like to just consider with you three avenues of wisdom, if you will, three themes that come out concerning the church, concerning hope, and concerning power. And so in verse 14, Paul says regarding the church, he said, this is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. You know, the vehicle of Christ's glory is in the world uh, right now is the church. It's you. Um, and I will submit to you that even though we know that uh, our church in some of its particular forms can sometimes make us wonder what in the world God was thinking, you know, sometimes we're just beleaguered, we're befuddled, and sometimes contentious. But I think more so, and I, and I just really emphasize more so. The church claims its inheritance when its capacity for grace and compassion and hope are so enlarged as to the point to something far, as to point to something far beyond the sum of its members. On all saints... This text serves as a reminder of the cosmic dimensions of the church and the gift of salvation that forges unity, this unity that instills hope. In verse 18, Paul prays for its hearers that their hearts be enlightened so that they may know the hope to which Christ has called them. On this day, we have an opportunity to reflect on those in all generations who have lived by hope and faith in God's promise. And today we're called, we've just called out the names of ones who have been taken to their reward. And it is for some here today, grief revisited, um, the marking of a painful loss. But it is at the same time a liturgy of gratitude, of comfort and encouragement as the church draws strength from its memory and from the reminders of God's goodness through their lives. You know, my last conversation with my mother just two nights before she passed, 
God gave her, I mean, she just truly had a very moment, a strong moment of clarity in being able to talk with me and my sisters. And she, first thing she said, just as a mother would, she said, everything's going to be okay. And I, I said, of course it is, mother. Everything is going to be okay. And she said, I don't know if I want God to take me from you. And I said, well, me neither, mom. I don't either. But do you remember your dream? And I'm going to put a parenthesis there and tell you that on, while in my mom's hospital stay, she had two surgeries. And in her second surgery, she came out just insisting, uh, just excited almost to tell me what had happened. She, she kept saying, I have to tell you what happened. You're not going to believe it. I have to tell you what happened. Well, in her second surgery, she was dreaming and in a beautiful garden. She said it was the most beautiful garden she's ever seen. And she felt peace and comfort and was just amazed at how beautiful it was. And she couldn't wait to tell us about her dream. So I asked her, Mom, do you remember your dream after you had your last surgery? And she said, oh, yes, I do. She said, God gave me a glimpse of, a glimpse of heaven. And I said, well, then we can know and be absolutely confident that it's not a bad deal. You can go. Just don't walk too fast. We'll catch up with you. And so that was our last great conversation together. And what a beautiful way to offer hope and comfort and goodness to her and to her children. And now I hope maybe a little bit to you. So when we see only with our eyes and hear only with our ears, we may fail to claim the hope that's instilled in us. To see with the heart is to imagine the future God is preparing for us. And as Christians, we are shaped by more than our own experiences. We are shaped by our hopes, by the future in which we are living, and by the convictions by which we are living. Hope is best perceived with the eyes of the heart. Hope is best lived within a hopeful community and in the company of saints, even the living and the departed. It's in the company of saints that we find our life and our vitality as we seek to live as faithful bearers of the inheritance that we have received and in such company, we find comfort in our losses, courage for daily struggles, and hope as we face the future together. And so in those last verses, in those concluding verses, the text underscores the power that's available to us who believe. The point is not um, the kind of power that the world so often wields, but rather the immeasurable greatness of Christ's power, which is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. We have heard over and over again that the world is ruled by powers hostile to the redemptive power of love and forgiveness and thus hostile to Christ and Christ's community of the saints in the church. However, before the foundation of a world, Ephesians says, God chose saints to be agents of the divine power in the struggle. The same election continues today and oh, weigh me, oh, we may protest that we're just really not up to the task, that we just can't be living up to the thing called a saint. And as I was reading many of the commentaries, one theologian, his first name Stanley, I can't pronounce his last name, it has a lot of vowels in it, it's just impossible. <laughs> but Stanley said this, he said, Christians cannot even try to become saints, nor, he said, are saints heroes and heroines of the faith. He said, instead, they are people like us, who have been, been made more than who we are by being engrafted into God's kingdom that is ruled by forgiveness and by love. Well, we are called to unity, and we never know how God is going to use times and circumstances to connect us to one another and certainly to God. 
I have countless stories of connection. You too, I'm sure. But most recently, on my driveway, talking over a common fondness for ceramic chicken cookie jars, there was a connection made deeper by understanding the story and the journey. Paul's message of unity was, well, it was just radical in its day, as you know. You know, suggesting unity across divisions that were woven into their fabric and into their DNA. And the cross takes on new significance when we consider the perspective on time and space proposed by the Ephesians. The vertical beams suggest a unity with God above and the ancestors below. The horizontal beam signifies unity with others in Christ and in the present. And as the beams intersect, we recognize that the life of Christ is the life of unity that provides both continuity and community and awe and humility. So I'm just grateful for a God who takes simple things in life and sometimes not so simple and allows it to parallel with timeless scripture and allows us to see the intersection of Christ in our lives. That dear lady and I connected on my driveway uh, through sharing of our stories and of our travel and God was fully present as me and my family celebrated a legacy of love given to us from our mom and will forever be thankful for her glimpse into heaven and her opportunity to share it with us and now my opportunity to share it with you. We are, you are, a living legacy. Psalm 78, 6 says that we are called to continue the story so that the generations to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children as well. All Saints Day, it invites us to turn our gaze to the immense multitude of those who have already reached the blessed homeland, pointing us to the road which leads to that destination. This is a gift of salvation. It forges unity. It is the company of saints that we find our life and vitality as we seek to live as faithful bearers of the inheritance we've received. In such company, we find comfort in our losses, courage for daily struggle, and hope as we face the future together. Giving God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today, as we consider the words and timeless prayer of Paul to the church in Ephesus, may we have ears to hear as the Spirit works to carry this message into our hearts, offering encouragement, strength, and wisdom, both individually and corporately. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.